the teacher was telling her that it was physically impossible for a whale to swallow a human being because even though they're really large, their throat's pretty small. And so she was telling the little girl, and the little girl said, well, I know that Jonah was swallowed by a whale. And she said, I'm sorry, honey, it's just impossible that, you know, that this could happen. And she said, well, when I get to heaven, I'll ask Jonah about this. The teacher said, well, what if Jonah's not in heaven? And she thought for a second, she said, well, then I guess you'll have to ask her. You know, I, I really enjoy the old stories of the Bible. This is one of the best known and well-loved story in all the Bible. And, um, you know, even Jesus mentioned this in the New Testament. He talked about the sign of Jonah in the belly of the whale for three days, just like he would suffer in the tomb, or suffer on the cross and be in the tomb for three days. He also mentioned the men of Nineveh how that they would stand up in judgment and let the whole world know that they had repented because of the preaching of, of Jonah. So, you know, it, I, there's four chapters in the book, and, and we're just going to highlight the second chapter, but I want to just talk a little bit about chapter one because it sets up what happens in chapter two. Chapter one, um, there's Jonah in the temple, and God gives him a message. He said, Jonah... I want you to go to Nineveh and tell them that in 40 days, they're finished. And there's no other conversation, but Jonah just runs. And he goes to Joppa. And he buys a ticket. He gets on a boat. There's some sailors on the boat. There's a captain on the boat. Pretty good-sized boat. And they set sail. And all the while, God was in hot pursuit. So chapter 2 is just totally different. It's a prayer. It's Jonah's prayer from inside the belly of the fish that God had prepared. And verse 1 says, From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You know, these first two verses... The prayer's a little different as you read through. It's just ten verses. But verse 1 and 2 is kind of like help. In fact, the commentators think that this wasn't the first prayer that Jonah recorded in for Scripture. That the first prayer was probably had a more desperate sound to it. We, too, can cry out for help. Pastor Casey has come to us and taught us how to pray. Um, I really appreciate your prayer, Casey. Um, just like Jonah, you and I can come to the God who made us and receive his grace and mercy. You know, grace is God's favor. Um, he doesn't give it to us because we deserve it, but because he loves us. And his mercy is actually not giving us things that we deserve, restraining things from happening to us that should happen to us or could happen to us. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 says, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. You know, I think about that time of need as like the nick 
uh, the nick of time. You know what the nick of time is? Just before it's too late. Just before it's too late. God is never early, is he? But he's also never late. Um, Verse 1 says, Jonah prayed to his God. You know, Jonah had a personal relationship with God. And at this moment, Jonah was in a place that God had prepared for him. It was kind of like God said, Jonah, we have to talk. Um, It was a serious deal. God can place us just where he needs us the same way. I don't know what place that you are today or what place I know what place that I'm at, but he can put us right where he can get our attention and talk with us. So the first lesson, pretty pretty, uh, simple, and I, I did have, first I had talk with God. But you know what? Communication is more than just talking. It's a two-way conversation. How are you at prayer? What's your prayer life like? Do you pray every day? Is it kind of a quick, I need this, I'm, I'm desperate for that? Jonah had three days to talk to God, and he didn't need to be in a hurry. In that fish, he was in the presence of God. It was almost like Moses standing before the burning bush. Although I doubt Jonah removed his shoes. Don't know if he still had them on, actually. But God was there with Jonah in that special place. Mother Teresa said this, Prayer feeds the soul as blood is to the body, prayer is to the soul. It also gives you a clean and pure heart. A clean heart can see God can speak to God, and can see the love of God in others. Prayer is a conversation, and it describes relationship with our Heavenly Father. Now, I have a question in my mind about this story with Jonah. I wonder if he had this conversational prayer with the Lord before he ran, if the story might have turned out differently. Another question is, inside that fish... How bad was it for Jonah? You know, I've thought about this as I've prepared this message, and I I have nothing to compare this with in my own life. I just don't. Maybe you do. Um, But Jonah considered it a fishy, watery grave, and he considered himself as good as dead. So what was day one like? Day two. Day three. I cried for help, and you listened to my cry. You know, verse 1 and 2 are the help part of the prayer. And then in verse 3, we begin to get a little bit more detail. And and it says, you hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas. And the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. Jonah was hurled into the deep. You know, I wonder why he didn't just jump overboard. You know, and you read the story, and and you can do that on your own. And I encourage you to do that in chapter 1. But they ended up tossing him overboard. But you know what? It was God who hurled him to the bottom. Verse 4 says, I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet will I look again towards your holy temple. Verse 3 said, You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. 
all your waves and breakers swept over me. I said I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. Jonah was beginning to see some hope here. Was he referring to the temple in Jerusalem or the temple in heaven? Verse 5 said, The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. Literally, waters were at my throat. Jonah was about to drown. That feeling I have a little more familiarity with because it took me an awful long time to learn how to swim. Um, And I remember having gulping water and so forth. But seaweed around his head, I can just only imagine. And other things. You know, if if this story was made into a movie... I assure you, it would not have been a chick flick, okay? Um, Something else. Verse 6 says, To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath me barred me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. You know, from the moment that Jonah hit the water, the water got calm. And there was a little bit of time. I don't know how much it was. A couple of minutes, ten minutes how long it was while he tread water and then began to sink. And then the fish that God prepared rescued him. And I did say rescue, okay? Um, But you know, Jonah tried to get far, far away from the Lord. I was looking at the old uh, map of this, and it shows Jerusalem, and it shows Joppa where he caught the boat. It shows Nineveh to the north. And then way over here, it showed Tarshish, which is where Jonah was headed. He wanted to get far as he could away from Nineveh. And a matter of fact, that is modern-day Spain. And if he'd have gone any further west, he'd have been in the Atlantic Ocean. So as far as Jonah tried to get away from God and tried to get away from Nineveh, God took him so much further, and it was this direction. The average depth of water in uh, the Mediterranean is 5,000 feet. And it gets up to 16,000 feet. That is deep, deep water. I think it's about 450 in Lake Superior, and that's pretty deep. So this is a lot deeper. So lesson two, pretty obvious, right? Trust in God. You know, um, these are simple lessons that you're going to get this morning from this message. But you know what? They're hard. They're easy to do, but yet they're hard to do for us. They're easy on the surface, but hard to do lots of times. But He is all we have. Trust is only as good as the person we're trusting in. You remember the comment by Lucy in the Chronicles of Narnia? And she said, is is he a safe lion? And the lion Aslan is a picture of Christ. He says, of course he's not safe, but he's always good. He's always good. When things get tough, who do we trust? When we have need, do we look to God first or somewhere else? Or someone else? Nobody can take the place of God. Verse 7, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you in your holy temple. It's like, as I was losing consciousness, I remembered Jehovah. As just before blacking out, 
Father, you were the last thing on my mind. With life hanging by a thread, looking into the teeth of the end of it, Jonah's prayer rose to God. And God prepared that fish. And here's the key verse in the chapter, if not the entire book. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. You know, the prophet Isaiah gives us a really good um, example of idol worship. And it's uh, found in Isaiah chapter 44. And I'll just pick out uh, two or three verses here and read them to you. And they'll be up on the screen. Verse 10 says, Who shapes a God? Notice the small g. Um, Who shapes a God and casts an idol which can profit him nothing? Verse 14, He cut down cedars or perhaps took a cypress or oak and he let it grow among the trees of the forest or planted a pine and the rain where'd that come from made it grow half of the wood he burns in the fire in verse 16 over it he prepares his meal he roasts his meat and he eats his fill and he also gets warm from it and he says ah I am warm I see the fire From the rest, verse 17, he makes a god, his idol. He bows down to it and worships and prays to it and says, Save me, you're my God. Now compare this with Jonah's prayer. Jonah cried out to God God in verse 2, and God heard Jonah's cry. Compare that with verse 17 of Isaiah 44. Save me, you are my small g-o-d. But isn't that what those kinds of gods are supposed to do? I made it for that purpose. Question for us. What idols are we clinging to today? Verse 9 of Jonah chapter 2. But I, with with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the, from the Lord. Isn't this the subject of the whole Bible? The redemption plan for man? As soon as Adam and Eve fell in the garden, God put this all into play, this, this plan to redeem each one of us by the sacrifice, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, verse 8 of Jonah 2 is always the problem. We cling to all kinds of worthless idols. And verse 9 is the answer. Trust in God who made us. It is from Him that salvation comes. But aren't we just like the Ninevites a lot of times? You know, God, and you can read this in chapter 4 in verse 11, God says, He describes the men of Nineveh as they don't know their right from their left. I had a Bible college professor who used to say that there were people that didn't know chalk from cheese. Now, he was not talking about Wisconsin folks, okay? And Jesus, when he was asking his disciples in in John chapter 6, he said, will you also leave me? Now, Peter, you know how Peter was. Peter was, he was either you know, super good with the things that he said or something else. This happened to be one of the really good things that Peter said. Peter said, where would we go, Lord? 
It's you that has the words of eternal life. Amen? And yet, we still pull away from God. We're like little children and want their own way. You know, you go to the mall and, and kids just see all kinds of stuff and you see mom's arms going like this, you know, being pulled and, and uh, let me run over and check this out, you know. We pull away from God that same way. Something else that the prophet Isaiah said in, in chapter 53, verse 6, it says, we have all strayed like sheep. Each one of us has turned to go our own way, and the Lord has laid all our sins on him. You know, I don't know if this will, will give you a picture of, what, of this verse, but you know what? If my right hand could represent the Lord Jesus Christ, he was absolutely sinless. And my left hand representing us, you and me, and all of us have sin. I'll let my wallet represent sin. We all have sin on us. And this verse is so clear that says, we all strayed, we all sinned, and yet the Lord laid on Jesus everything that we would ever do wrong. Every sin, every iniquity, past, present, and future. And we could have a perfect righteousness just like the Lord Jesus Christ and have fellowship with him. Each one of us has turned our own way, and the Lord has laid on him all of our sins. So lesson three, salvation comes from the Lord. Salvation comes from the Lord. And then almost as the epilogue in verse 10 of Jonah 2, and the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. You know, this is a short little chapter, 10 verses. In, verse, in the beginning of the chapter, we have Jonah in the belly of the whale, or the great fish, or the sea monster. You take your pet. And it ends with God commanding that fish that he had prepared to spit Jonah onto dry land. Three simple lessons yet so important. Communicate with God. Have two-way conversations. Trust in God. Anything or anyone else is not worth our trust. Number three, realize that salvation comes from and is, in fact, the Lord. Nowhere else do we find salvation. You know, God pursues us. It's not the other way around. We don't pursue Him. He cares more about our character than our comfort. We have He'll move heaven and earth to get our attention. Yours and mine, if that's what he must do. That's what he did for Jonah. How far do you want God to go in getting your attention? If God has to choose between your eternal safety and your earthly comfort, which do you think he'll choose? Now here's the seven miracles, and there's, there's some others, but these are specific miracles that God did in this, in this particular chapter for Jonah. Number one, he caused a violent storm. And you say, well, yeah, that's in the scripture. We can read about that. Yeah, but this was a storm that the sailors weren't used to seeing. These guys were grizzled sailors. They were on the Mediterranean all the time. They made this Joppa to wherever trip that they, they were going. And so they saw the weather patterns on that sea. But this was different. This was a storm that came from the Lord. Shocker, 
uh, the finger of fault pointed at Jonah. You know, they they trying to figure out who in the world had caused, this is something unusual. This comes from somewhere else, another place we don't know. And so they threw lots, and guess who the lot fell to? Well, of course, fell to Jonah. Calmed the sea as soon as Jonah tossed, was tossed overboard. Saved his life from a watery grave using a fish. Then had the fish transport him to safety. Then had the fish throw Jonah up on dry ground. And most importantly, change the heart of the prophet. What if he moved us to another land as he did Abraham? What if he called you out of your retirement years? Remember Moses? How about a voice of an angel? You know, Joseph and Mary heard that voice. Or the belly of a fish. How about a promotion like Daniel's or a demotion like Samson? God does this and all other things like this to get our attention. Isn't that the message of the Bible? The relentless pursuit of God in our lives? God on the hunt with the hounds of heaven after us? Don't you just love that about him, that he doesn't give up on us? I appreciate that so much, that God does not give up on us. Joel chapter 2, verse 13, I, I really like this verse. One more. Come back to the Lord, your God, because he is kind and shows mercy. He doesn't become angry quickly, and he has great love. You know what? God wants to give us eternal life. I mean, that's the basic. We need that. Without that, we can't be in heaven with him. No sinner, sin can enter into heaven. And so all of that sin had to be paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ. Our part, accept it. Accept it as a free gift. And then God wants to give us a new heart and a new purpose. Why? What to do with that? To love him to love others like he loves others like he loves you pray with me father thank you so much for your word thank you so much for this story of jonah how that you pursued this this prophet and all the things that you did in his life father i pray for the idols that are in our lives that are around us that, Father, you would remove them, that you would help us to remove them. Lord, I pray for anyone here that has never accepted your free gift of eternal life, that they would do so today. Lord, I thank you so much that you love us and you called us here together. And we pray this in your name.